Hi, it's Hoa. I'm back again. I have something really important to talk about. It's a subject we rarely discuss because it can make us feel uncomfortable. Sexual harassment at the workplace. You know, and I'm like, why does this person keep pressing up against me? And I realize that you have all this fucking space here, and I stick his penis out. And Harvey, blessed Harvey Weinstein, whose tattoo I still have on my bum. should stay off the gold standard so that the pound can reach a level that will keep our exports competitive. The lady has foolishly attempted to join the conversation with a wild and dangerous opinion of her own. Who lives in the east beneath the willow tree? Sexual harassment. Sexual harassment to you and me. Sexual harassment. Panda, don't say that, don't touch there, don't be nasty, says the silly bear. He's gonna tell you what's right and wrong, sexual harassment, panda. <laughs> Welcome to Last Man on Earth, my name is Lex Jurgen, as always I'm flanked by Matt Ralston. Matt has taken up Ben Affleck's call for all men in Hollywood to review the manner in which they treat women. Matt gave himself an A, promptly slugged down some Jaeger, and asked the fat chick to squat on his face, <laughs> telling her, it's obvious you're good at sitting. Uh, did you, uh, are you taking up the Matt Dam- uh, Ben Affleck challenge, excuse me, to review your behavior, Matt? What, what he's, challenged, he's challenged all the, himself and all men in Hollywood to take a look at how they tra- how they treated women through the years. No, I don't need to do that. I'm no. fine. <laughs> you give yourself an A? I think I feel like that's something stupid for him to do on his own. And it becomes exponentially stupid when he asks every man to do it. <laughs> to do it. It's obviously a cover for all the shit they've done. That's what every guy is trying to get out ahead of stories now in Hollywood by coming up with a, their, their sort of a, a amends before they even get busted. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing as, as sex rehab or something like that, right? <laughs> and asking everyone in Hollywood. And then I don't, I don't mind him saying, like, look, I'm a douche. I've treated women poorly. I need to change my ways. But anytime someone like Terry Crews or someone else goes like, oh, man, we're all like this. We all need to look at ourselves. Yeah. Like, fuck you. Yeah, like, I'm not in your club. Like, yeah, I don't even know you. <laughs> if I hung out and party and hoard with you, maybe I would. Uh, this week's show is sponsored by left-wing Hollywood women retweeting stories from the right-wing takedown blogs, which are conveniently helping naming names of sexual harassing men in Hollywood. That's a new thing now. Do you notice? The, the leftist ladies are using right-wing blogs who are now actively trying to take down every Hollywood person they hate. And they're, they're now uh, sharing stories from those right-wing blogs to name names of sexual harassers. So these are right-wing blogs these, that are outing certain people? Yeah, like they're, they're going after... Up? Yeah, they're, you know, the right-wing blogs, like the Daily Call, they all hate Hollywood. Breitbart, they hate Hollywood. Yeah. So they're, but now the, 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 the feminist ladies are using these right-wing blog stories to, re, to repost, uh, even if they're just rumors, to take down men in Hollywood. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Be careful around people who say that. There's your fucking sponsor, an ounce of wisdom. <laughs> that is really, really horrible hypocrisy, isn't it? Well, yeah, because I feel like some of this stuff might be unfounded. Like Breitbart, their standard for what they'll put up is pretty low, right? Oh, it's all, it's largely, well, some of it's founded, some of it's unfounded. But the, the point is that the, the, progressive, the feminist ladies don't give a shit. As long as there's a source they can share that takes down a guy in Hollywood, yeah. they'll do it even if it's like their most hated blo- an, you know, anti-feminist blog. 
So this is happening quite a bit? Yes, it's happening, it's happening <laughs> quite a bit. If you wish to contact the show, hit us up on Twitter at Last Men Podcast or on Facebook, also Last Men Podcast. All right, on the show. Matt, when you think of one word to describe Rose McGowan, think now, think for a moment. What's the one word that comes to mind? Uh, obnoxious. N- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you were going to say something worse. Really annoying. Yeah, annoying. That's, that comes to mind, too. Op- how about opportunistic? Yeah, I'd, I'd put that up there. Uh, well, well, here's a word. She, she mused through all those ideas for the names of her memoir, but she came up to settle on the word brave. One word brave for her memoir. She's not too humble. No, which is great. Because you think even like a, like, a war, like a war hero general wouldn't use the word brave? <laughs> like the first thing the guy like in the Texas shooting, the guy who saved the people, said is like, I'm no hero, I'm, no, I'm not brave. But Rose McGowan went right on and just called out brave, brave for herself. What did she do that was brave? She took a settlement from Harvey Weinstein and then signed a non-disclosure agreement and, so that she couldn't talk about the one thing she wants to talk about, but now she's somehow still talking about it. It seems like not the best choice for a spokesperson is someone who's not allowed to talk about. I feel like she something. got like her girlfriends, like her little circle of girlfriends together, assistants or whatever she has, and said, well, look, we're going to brainstorm a title for this. And every single last remaining kiss ass she knows, someone said brave. And she said, no, 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 that's not, that's not me. I'm not brave. I'm just another woman trying to help out other women and then they all said no no rose you're brave you're brave go with brave and she said oh okay brave yeah that's, gonna be brave. that's so her just <laughs> hot chick syndrome yes. that, it doesn't doesn't get it you know uh, understand um uh, that you you sound like an asshole when you uh <laughs> brag about yourself and apply such flattering terms i will i will say this for rose mcgowan her book so her book up is being pushed by uh harper collins or some there's the, sorry, the spiritual and, and uh, growth set, division of Human Collins, uh, Harper Collins, called Harper One, which is of course owned by uh, by News Corp by Rupert Murdoch. Mm-hmm. So I assume there's some tinge there as well in why they're publishing this book because they also hate Holly, they also hate Hollywood left. Right. Uh, so her book got pushed up to January called Brave. It's going to be a big release now, uh, and apparently this is what Weinstein knew was coming out, which is why he started getting freaking out about Rose McGowan and hiring all the detectives and stuff and slut shaming her in advance. I mean, if there's one thing you say about Rose McGowan, it's that she did push this narrative to the point that it got exposed by everybody else. Yeah, I, I think she was one of... She was one of very few women who were, like, spending their, de- act, their, their every single day in Hollywood calling men as pigs and naming, saying that half of the Hollywood important guys were all sexual rapists, or were all rapists. Which she, was, a, was a bit of a hyperbole, but it was also something that it, it, it virtually ended whatever was left, whatever shambles was left of her career. She had no career left at that point. Right. She, but there's other women like that who still scrape and, and still co-opt and still play by the rules. She liked that to get one more role, to get one more TV gig, to get one more whatever. At some point, she just decided to shave her head and say, fuck it, right? <laughs> yeah. She just decided, I'm no longer going to be, I was, a hot, I was a hot chick who got hired for her tits and see-through dresses. Now I'm going to be the chick who shaves her head and just tears the shit down. Yeah, she really uh, did an about-face on her whole image there. And I don't know, I think you don't believe it's true. I, I, don't, I don't think you believe in her conversion. And I don't necessarily believe in her conversion either. Uh, but I know we've had this argument before where, whether or not someone who preaches like, like whether or not DiCaprio has to live an environmentally pure life to preach environmentalism 
or the guy from U2 who's building like the six houses along the Malibu farm that's going to kill every single wildlife in the area who's also an environmentalist. Whether or not those guys can preach environmentalism and, and, and green living even while they're not living, they're living with a giant carbon footprint. I think at the time you said that was still cool to do. Mm-hmm. So isn't it cool as her as a woman who's like co-opted herself in every possible way to, to get what career she had in Hollywood now to come out and say, to point out name names and call down the system, take down the system? Yeah, is she... Like, I wonder if she considers Robert Rodriguez, who she, you know, fucked for a year and, you know, he, he left his wife and children for, you know, d- does she consider him a bad dude because he was porking the actress in his film that he then gave the role to and then sort of ruined his career trying to um, find another vehicle for her to star in and no one was really that into it for whatever reason. Like I'm, I'm wondering if she's somehow complicit in. Uh, Don't forget the pedophile she worked with. Oh yeah, she convicted pedophile. Starred she in a movie directed by a convicted pedophile. Don't forget so. about the time she had that plastic surgery, got botched, and she claimed she was in a car. She claimed she was in a car <laughs> crash. There was that too. There's certainly things about her. And by the way, I don't think any, any of the things we just mentioned are worse than any other actress in Hollywood. I think it's just kind of standard. That's standard operating procedure. But, you know, here's the point. Can you now be, is there, is there the chance to be, have a latter-day conversion on your morality? Or are you toast based on how you lived your, your, your teens and 20s and into your 30s? Do you, are you, can you only now be seen as a bitchy, disappointed chick forevermore? Or can you actually become a, a standard bearer of some sort of morality? I don't know. I, I think it would depend on the personality of the of the individual kind of on a case-by-case basis i mean she's batty um incredibly abrasive um obnoxious yes so you know i don't i don't know if she's a good spokesperson for she turned that role down the adam sandler thing where they had her they wanted to have her come cast in a tight tank top which by the way i think she's been in every single role she's ever had in the movies or film but she said no i'm not you know there's no reason for me to wear a tight tank top as part of this casting and as annoying as that sounds to us as guys, that was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. And every other actress in Hollywood would have worn the tight tank top and gone to the casting and shut the fuck up and sucked Harvey's dick and just got, continued to get more work. So, I don't know. I'm kind well, of leaning towards... she didn't have a problem burying her tits in every film that she was in. No, but I'm saying, it's speaking as to the authenticity of her conversion, Yeah, she seemed like she did kind of, like, convert fully. Like, I'm just, fuck, like, fuck Hollywood, fuck beauty, fuck this, you know, sexual objectification, I'm just going to be the one who tears shit down now. Yeah, but we also don't know how true any of this is. <laughs> we don't know that the Sandler story is true. Uh, no. I mean, she... But even if only half her shit is true, let's give her half her <laughs> shit is true, she's still done more to tear down these wall, to tear down these, these veils than anybody else. But is it sort of manufactured on her part? Like the story she's got that a she hashtag. she's got a hashtag, dude. The, the Rose Army. She had a story <laughs> about. And I, I think we've I've brought this up before, but it's it's just one of my favorite stories ever. Is that her uh, female agent told her not to talk in meetings with executives because executives are intimidated by women uh, speaking their opinions. And I guess she still doesn't understand that the agent meant. When you talk, people don't like you. Yes, uh, that's so sexist, Matt. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's just her. It's they don't not, like her. They don't like her from actors. It's either, not to be women. It's, yes. it's annoying people. Who, frankly, I mean, you know, what was she? The second coming of Meryl Streep. She had big, humongous boobs, and she was in. Uh, 
the slasher films. You yeah, know? but isn't that every that's every actress in Hollywood basically giving notes? Oh, I'm sorry, I just remember the name of the new uh, ra- we, uh, ding ding ding. We have a new rape accused accused Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman, uh, Meryl Streep said he grabbed her breasts in the 70s during a uh, 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 a meet and greet. Oh, Meryl Streep really coming around? <laughs> yes, now. she had to dig deep. She had to dig deep because she was one of the early offended women by the Harvey Weinstein. She has now come out and said Dustin Hoffman uh, grabbed her boob in 1974. Did she like it? Were they? Well, no. Inherently, it's that's a, that's like a that's a sexual assault. Well, yeah. He also made yeah. he also made dick jokes on the set of Kramer versus Kramer, which I'm fine with. She got an Oscar, but he made he used he liked to say the word cl- clitoris a lot. He liked to order clitoris sandwiches. Yeah, he ordered this <laughs> an egg with soft boiled uh, clitoris. Which is just weird. It seems. <laughs> He couldn't have been sober. No, probably not. I don't know. I just want to ding. I want to, every time there's a new uh, acute, a rape accused, I just want to bring that up. Oh, Ed Westwick. Ding, 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 ding. Ed Westwick from uh, Gossip Girl has mm-hmm. now been accused of uh, inappropriate sexual, sexual behavior towards women. And again, another guy I was just positive was gay who was uh, uh, grabbing, groping, groping women. Although I guess you could be gay and grope women. Ed Westwick? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to rough the show every time. We need like a ticker. There has to be a ticker. Matt, this leads me to my next topic. Who will be left in Hollywood to create all these amazing shows? Uh, has anybody thought about what's going to happen in Hollywood once all the gross men, which is, uh, I don't know, 70% of the guys who make everything in Hollywood are tossed out? And, like, what's the new... Like, what's the new... Uh, what's the new uh, Kevin Spacey, obviously, he got fired from everything. I think you can say his, his acts, although old... Were, well, actually, not old. There's a new story now from the set of uh, House of Cards where, like, eight different women came... Eight different guys came out, excuse me, Talking about how he just constantly groped and sexually harassed him on the set. I thought this was like common knowledge. Uh, well, th- uh, yes, it was. But th- when you, when you hear the stories in detail from cry- men who are crying, it comes off as much much worse. I mean, the rumor is one thing to hear a guy actually say like, "I was driving Kevin Spacey back to the set, and he stuck his hand in my pants and started like getting off." Mm-hmm. Then it becomes like very real. Yeah, that's pretty gross. And he was si- he was sizing up all the guys, asking for you know whatever the hell he was doing, trying to get a guy to have sex with him on the set. That becomes really gross. Uh, so who's left, Matt? We it's got pretty Brett. horny for a guy that age. Yes, you know he's really committed to this gay lifestyle. It sounds uh, like. well, he's only in his fifties, and I guess he's probably you know now he has, now basically has the power to do this shit that he always wanted to do. Obviously, he did it when he was twenty six back at the apartment with the fourteen year old. Yeah, but now he's fifty six, and nobody can say boo about it anymore. So he's gone. So he got fired. That show's canceled. Uh, Brett Ratner got he called out. He produced a lot of shows. Uh, Ratner. Brian Singer I got down there. Brian Singer, ding, ding, ding. He got called out. That was the one that uh, uh, Jessica Chastain used one of the conservative blogs that went after Brian Singer, of course, because he's gay and they hate him, uh, for, harassing men, for harassing young men and underage men. Uh, Hoffman, Toback, Kevin Spacey, Harvey Weinstein, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. The list goes on. Actually, we take Damon off the list. He just knew about everything. He's too pussy to grab a girl. <laughs> Uh, the list is just going day by day. So basically, we're, lo- we're not just looking at low-level people here. This is like not just like uh, Trump's assistant to the assistant. This would be like the whole entire Trump and the entire cabinet being taken out like in one day. Imagine if we get into the Scientologists because, you know, what's his name? Uh, Miss Cabbage's wife is like straight up, uh, you know, being held captive or something. And, you know, come to find out like Tom Cruise knows about it and Will Smith. and uh, Well, that was a Danny. I didn't mention Danny Masterson from the 70s show. He's a Scientologist. And the rape charges that were against him were scuttled by apparently 
The next day, like 50 Scientologist women came in and offered testimony on his behalf, decrying the woman right, instead right. of Masterson. Well, they've got the LAPD in the palm of their Yeah, head. so, I mean, but here's a, I mean, a real question, though, serious question. Like, this is going to have an impact on actual content production because it's not like, it's not like they're just taking down small names. They're taking down the names of heads of studios and major production companies and all major actors and... And it's not like this is not a town where like a thousand people are important to production. Yeah, this is a town where like twenty people are really important to production. Like Weinstein was one of the top five most in- important guys in the film business by easy. True. They're taking down top. They're taking down top names here. This is like this is like what would happen in baseball if they actually went after steroids in the nineties and they took out Bonds and McGuire and Sosa. Just took like every home run. The top three home run hitters on every team just got suspended. Got, got kicked off the t- baseball. Yeah, and there was no. And every game was zero. Ended zero zero. I mean, I guess one problem is no one really knows what producers actually do. I mean, you know, they understand the basic tenets that they line up the money and. Well, um, yeah, but those are those, yes, but, they, but you're talking Weinstein. He made thirty movies. I mean, he was making movies every single year, big ones. But Oscar we don't winners. we don't know what we don't know how easily replaceable he is. I guess is what I'm saying. Like, oh well, yeah, he's probably replaceable by his brother or someone else who's doing the same shit. But not immediately so. These guys, not only are these guys like, because you know Hollywood, it's not just they're, like, they're not just running a business. It's a cult of personality. Yeah. So they're making a lot of these deals while there's lots of paperwork and contracts and things like that. A lot of these are handshake cult of personality. I worked with Harvey for 25 years. I do deals with Harvey, especially when you're talking about Russian investors and Israeli investors and people like that that are laundering money. There's like there's a lot of context that goes on. There's a lot of deep relationships that go on. These relationships. Where you can't just replace a guy like Harvey Weinstein or a Brian Singer or Brett Ratner or James Toback even or Kevin Spacey. These guys have networks of minions and people and deals and associates and all sorts of under the undercover shit, not to mention the people they fucked with, literally, literally fucked or they're, fu- or they're fucking. I think we're going to see a big problem here in Hollywood soon. You if think everyone's we'll see a, a drop in box office gross well, they've already canceled. They canceled. There's a Kevin Spacey product, a movie that's got the uh, Paramount just pull, had to pull. There'll be a bunch of other movies that have to pull. If they have to pull Bryce. Oh, really? Yeah. They're pulling. Man, I would be so pissed if I was in one of those movies and I wasn't Kevin Spacey. Well, he's the lead actor, and I forget the name of the movie. Paramount was coming out with uh, soon, and they pulled it. I mean, because they can't put Kevin Spacey's face up everywhere saying, you know, go watch this guy's movie. But they're going to, like, release it at some point, right? It's going to lose a, sh- gonna lose a, lose a shitload of money. Wouldn't you just be pissed if that was your career break and... Now you're, yeah, just... yeah, oh yeah, for sure. No, nobody thinks about those people. Brian Singer, pr- pretty important dude. Brett Radner, Brian Singer, they make some of the biggest box office movies every single year. Those guys are going down. Brett Radner had to take a break from whatever after his accusations. Brian Singer, as the Brian Singer closet gets opened up, forget any more Brian Singer movies. <laughs> I, I mean, guess the thing is also like the thing no one really brings up is Weinstein produced really good movies. Yes, you know he was he was uh, had a great batting average in terms of, the, you know, not not churning out crap. I mean, what's his name? Ratner. I don't know. Oh, he does big films. I mean, he does all the blockbuster films. I mean, yeah, you know, to be fair, he's not he's not choosing his material so much as he's getting paid ten million dollars to do the shitty big movies. But yeah, I mean, these are these are guys who make all the big films. I mean, Brian Brian Singer. So, oh, by the way, I just remembering the story. So, Jessica Chastain who's also on the feminist, uh, the, the outing the men in Hollywood bandwagon, she used a story from the Daily Caller about Brian Singer to call him out for, like, uh, harassing young men in Hollywood. And then someone pointed out, and then she said he shouldn't work or whatever, and he's doing, uh, she, someone pointed out, your next movie is the X-Men whatever, and she goes, do you know he's a producer on that film? And she's like, 
Uh, I didn't notice. I, didn't, I mean, he's not, I didn't see him ever on set, and I didn't really realize he was a producer on the film. And, so I didn't know at the time I filmed it. But, but isn't everyone... I mean, if we're going to go and play that whole guilt by association or whatever, like... I mean, that's, that's pretty much all of Hollywood. I mean, that's... Yes, that's what I'm saying. You know, that's a, a real who's who, uh, you know, that's a web. Well, it's every single man in Hollywood and zero women. And zero women. Here's, this is, isn't this just a huge power play for women? Like, all of a sudden, like, 30 of the top 40 spots in Hollywood open up? Well, and they have to be fill, And they have to be filled by women? I mean, Weinstein, the Weinstein Company's board is largely made up of women. I don't know the exact uh, breakdown, but... I don't, I don't get the part where they all knew about it, and uh, now they just take over the company and share no blame or anything. Do you see a, do you see a, uh, a conspiratorial angle in this, where the women of Hollywood are taking out all the men of Hollywood, so then they have to take on the directing jobs and the, and the pr- exec producing jobs? I don't know. I mean, it could be, but it was also... It's not like uh, they <laughs> made up the behavior that was going on. No, but on, the behavior's so. been going on for 100 years. What they did was they got a groundswell going, and now they're going... I mean, I'm talking about the witch hunt part of this. Mm-hmm. Not Weinstein, obviously, where he raped women, but I'm talking about Dustin Hoffman grabbed my breast 35 years ago. That kind of shit. Or Brian Singer stuff, which we've known about forever and a day. And probably none of it, I'm sure, is probably illegal, technically illegal, but just gross behavior. Now, all of a sudden, he shouldn't, be direct, he shouldn't be making movies anymore. He shouldn't be making the next fucking DC movie or Marvel movie or whatever. I mean, it could We have be- to get a female director in there because that's the only option. Yeah, well, we've been hearing that for a long time now, too. We need more women. You know, there was some movie that was bragging about it's directed by a woman and starring all women and produced by women. It's like, I don't know if that's your idea of diversity or or what, but it's like the Huffington Post school of diversity, which is, you know, everyone looks exactly see. I'm starting to see a devious conspiracy by by females, women meeting the back of yoga studios. So at at a... Had a hot, had a heated, heated room, uh, uh, Bikram yoga studio somewhere with a cabal to figure out. Look, we know these guys are all pigs. If we get them all called out and then set the standard as any guy who's ever said inappropriate shit or like put his hand on a chick's shoulder or tried to grab a tit in the seventies is gone. Yeah, there's going to be a huge number of job openings, big, big time job openings for us in this cre- in this creative business. Yeah, I, I guess it depends on how you. Uh if you value like someone's art, like you might be a big fan of Springsteen, but not agree with him politically, but you just like his music still. I mean, that was always the conversation with Polanski. Like, you know, I think Polanski made really great films. That doesn't mean that I'm going to invite him to my kid's birthday party. <laughs> but your Quaalude champagne and underage kid birthday party. <laughs> yeah, but we don't know how much it matters. Like, I don't know. My mom, for example. She was this huge fan of Tom Cruise growing up, and then she stopped being a fan of Tom Cruise because he played a misogynist in um, the Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Oh, really? Um, I just saw him again in Tropic Thunder, by the way. He really is amazing in that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> he really is amazing in that movie. But, you, you know... As you much as I don't like him personally. Like, I mean, are people still... Like, are they going to stop watching uh, the Weinstein films just because of his association? Like, is Pulp Fiction now... Uh, I don't think the old films necessarily, because I'm not sure people even remember. You know, some people don't even remember. But the new films are all going to be killed. And, right. then, and, the, and anytime and Kevin Spacey can never make a movie ever again, he made some really good movies. He made great TV shows too. He also, by the way, reopened half of London's West End theater productions. He like revitalized like London's West End. He was a big fan of theater like in the '90s and 2000s, and he personally made it a mission to like reopen many theaters like in London. 
So there wasn't like a guy who had no influence on, on content or anything like that. He was a big, big guy. This could actually affect the local economy and, and depress it to yes. some degree. Especially the underage gay male prostitute economy. <laughs> I told you what Milo Yiannopoulos called them. Child, child, fucking fag, child, fucking faggot. He which, called uh, Kevin Spacey a child, fucking faggot. Oh, <laughs> yes. Which was I thought rather crude, but you know, you know, he's just doing it to get it. Milo's just doing it to get attention for himself. But it was a kind of thing like that's going to stick. That doesn't. That doesn't go. That thing. That's what other people are thinking, and that doesn't go away. People hate. Half the people hate him for being. A lot of people hate him for being just gay now, <laughs> and the gay people hate him for being a, for being a pedophile. Because he sold, he fucked them up. Yeah. He's got no. He's got. A, he's a man without a country at this point. He's never working again. So I mean, he's financially fine, I'm sure. But, but he, he was producing a ton of shit in Hollywood. But is it? Is that going to taint your view of? I don't know your favorite Kevin Spacey movie, but are you going to be watching it now and looking usual, at usual, usual Suspects? Yeah. So do you, I mean, are you st- are you now not a fan of the Usual Suspects or? or- uh, it's not that I'm not a fan of the movie. I think when he comes on screen, the first thing you think is like. Wow, that guy used to fucking boff. <laughs> he used to throw down boys on beds and try to fucking have sex with them. Is he? That's kind of a hard image to get out of your head. So his uh, the strongest accusation is that he laid on top of the kid. And I'm still trying to picture what that means. What well, that- he had a boy alone. He had a 14 year old boy alone in his apartment who who was drunk. He picked the kid up, threw him on the bed, and I guess started grinding and started grinding on top of him. That's. Real gross. <laughs> yes, no, that's that's hard image. I mean, you're going to be watching Usual Suspects. The first thing I think about is like, ah, oh, it just that that the sex shit doesn't go away. I mean, I guess for the d- director, like the Salvo, you know, you don't think about it when you watch the movie, but for a guy on screen, well, for I mean, for decades, for years, forever, guys couldn't admit they were gay and still work on screen. But is this because a people can get over that a real departure? This isn't Sly Stallone coming out as gay. I mean, Kevin Spacey basically played a, a creepy gay guy. Yes. In most of his films, even if it wasn't... Uh, you say now he's going to get roles as a pedophile gay guy? <laughs> <laughs> he's going to embrace that? He, did, he definitely embraced his gay side. He was gay in the House of Cards. He was a creepy, sinister gay guy in House of Cards. So he was definitely playing two type. Yeah. But I think the illegal, the illegal parts of it, he, he can't, he'll never work again. He'll never, ever work again. And he was creating shows and movies and plays like... He was big, huge. He was huge on Broadway. He hosted, he hosted the Tonys a lot this past time. I mean, Mel Gibson came back from uh, barely calling the police officer a dirty Jew or whatever he did. Uh, he called her a bunny, whatever something, some black thing. Then he called about the Jews. He or had something. to go away for a while, but now he's back. Yeah, but he had to start self financing his own movies. He got the Catholic money to start making his own movies. He started doing the fucking Resurrection of Christ films. So he is kind of back now. He's in D- Daddy's Home too. Yeah, that's one. It took a while. It took a while, and he had to give up the mid part of his career essentially. So, and he's still not liked by a lot of still liked by a lot of people. But that's still different than raping a raping a boy. True. Uh, I just worry for Hollywood, Matt. I, what, what do you think? What do you think is a line where guys will be able to come back from and not come back from? Like Dustin Hoffman, I don't think has a problem. I mean, he's already eighty, whatever. But it, I think grabbing a tit in the seventies, okay, you come back from that. Especially since Meryl Streep has probably honored you 17 times at award shows before. <laughs> like, it's so disingenuous at that point. I think uh, you come back from that. The rapes, I don't think you come back from. 
Anything that's on anything that's on uh, email, viable email or Twitter, you don't come back from. I think Spacey's. I think we're on the fence. I, I don't know. I could see him making a comeback in a few years. Really, you know, like he wasn't accused of actual rape. He was accused of weird, creepy behavior. Wow, Matt, you're apologizing for him. <laughs> you're the first guy to apologize for Kevin Spacey in town. No, I don't but care. By the way, he can't get your job anymore. <laughs> my life will not be uh, any different with or without Kevin Spacey. Although. I always enjoyed him in films. I did too. I, he's a very smart guy. He's a very. He, I would say his his hit ra- his hit rate on his content was really high. His shows, his movies, and, it, and it was apparently his theater productions which I never went to, but apparently were all very good as well. So he was like he's a talented guy. Weinstein was a very talented guy in terms of the movies he picked out. Right. I mean, when he starts doing Goodwill Hunting and, and Pulp Fiction and all the other films he did, he was making hit after hit, critical hit after hit, not just popular films. The films that were very good movies. So he knew what he was doing in terms of picking out the films. So these aren't, that's what I'm saying, these aren't, these guys are going, and, and James Toback could, made some good movies. Uh, Brian Singer's made some good movies. <laughs> this, Rad- like, this isn't, this isn't like the, the crap of Hollywood. This is a cream of content producers. Yeah. I mean, Radner's produced like hundreds of movies, I think. Yes, he has. And apparently it was not nice to the ladies. Matt, we have a question from, email from Logan. Logan wants to know about Taylor Swift. You're the big Taylor Swift fan here. Brian won't talk to her anymore since so she won't respond to his letters. <laughs> he's just he's down to death threat level. He's down to death threat level. Uh, also, since she turned twenty twenty, he didn't like her anymore. Um, so Taylor Swift got denounced. Uh, Logan wants to know, isn't it a bit much asked Taylor Swift to denounce white supremacy simply because some rednecks love her music? And where does that end? So the story is a, a Berkeley, a San Francisco left wing culture blog wrote an article claiming Taylor Swift music and persona has been adopted by the alt-right and neo-nazis which seems like a stretch but it's not a huge stretch i don't think she's complicit in any of it but it's like you know it's sort of she's she's less complicit than trump is let's say but she's not like actively encouraging she doesn't she she is like the leading pop star in the world she doesn't need like that extra like one tenth of one percent of fan base of the alt-right fan base to really prop her up and get her career going so the alt-right loves taylor swift because she's a She's very white. She's very white. She's very blonde. She sings country music, and they've apparently adopted some of her songs and changed the lyrics and, and chant them at alt-right, alt-right rallies. There's also not that many... Just showing how dumb they are. Just showing how idiotic and dumb they are. <laughs> <laughs> right? And there's also there's just not very much, there's not much good alt-right music. Remember when uh, Spotify or whatever had to take down the alt-right music? There's not even a ton of like safe white pop stars, are there? No, very few. Like Miley Cyrus, you know she's too. Uh, well, you figure they're all. She's country too. She's from Tennessee. She's also country, but she's not safe for the alt right. She's she's a lesbian, whatever, whatever. So if you like are debating joining the alt right and you're on the fence and you realize that they're big into Taylor Swift, is yes. that when you kind of? I don't know. Maybe her, her last teams. Her last song, "Look What You Made Me Do." I have to say, I called out on the website as being sort of Nazi Naziesque. Because she had this red and, red and black imagery logo she was trying to do, and I think she was just trying to be provocative. And it had some reminiscence of Nazi, Nazi flags. And then her song was about making a list of people she wanted to kill. That's oh, what the really? song was about, yeah. Your turn's going to come. It was this veiled threat of like, all the people who had hurt her. And she was going to kill them, basically. That was what the song was about, the little girls are singing. So it was like... That's strange. So in that sense, I can see like... That would make you want to versus uh, Miley Cyrus singing songs about bangers or whatever, and like wanting to get twerk and ass fucked and stuff like that. 
I can see how Taylor Swift's song, if you need to adopt a song and you're a fucking redneck group of racists, I can see how Taylor Swift would be the girl you might, you might lean to. Well, there's been rumors. I always thought it was a joke. I'm pretty sure it is that uh, she was a Nazi. You, you've heard these rumors for a couple of years, right? Nope. Yeah, that, that was like she a thing. Black, she had no black backup dancers, which was very unusual. And people decried racism for that. But there's nothing in her personal history to suggest she's ever made a anti-Semitic or racist comment or remark ever. It would be very... It would be really odd. It'd be like one of the weirdest things that happened if she was actually like a hardcore white supremacist, right? I mean... It's, like, it's like sort of like blame, saying all white country music artists and NASCAR fans or NASCAR drivers and like that are like alt-right superstars. Right. That's just who that... That's who Southern Rednecks like. They like that kind of music. They like that kind of sports. That's their shit. It, to, to say that they're actively engaging the white supremacists to be their fan base is what this article kind of suggested. And then the article said, you have to now come out and decry white supremacy. And the, the, the hinge of the story was, if you don't decry this horrible behavior, then you're su- tacitly supporting it. Yeah, I don't think she's obligated to say anything about it. I mean, I mean, where does that slippery slope end? If anything you don't call out in this world is it, as an evil, you're then in favor of? You're then in favor of? Yeah, not to mention you're probably drawing more attention to it. And... I'm also pretty sure she was like a big Clinton um, advocate. She was a big Clinton Hil- advocate. Hillary advocate. So yeah, she does her, She 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 gave money. Gave two hundred fifty grand to Kesha in her uh, fake rape case. In her fake rape case. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she has anything to apologize for, and and that is a slippery slope. That you know, anytime you're not uh, belting out you know status quo uh, talking points, you're now aligned with the alt right. I mean, we've all probably been accused of that by. Oh yeah, certain people, and it probably accurately so half the time. Any well, any time <laughs> it's just a little bit dissenting from their view. They they can just call you a, a racist or a Nazi right. or whatever to shut down the conversation. So her attorney sent a not a, a threatening letter to this little blog. This right, this little blog saying, "Retract your story," basically implying that Taylor Swift is a white supremacist, uh, or we're going to sue your ass and take down you know destroy you. And that's when the ACLU stepped in. I'm not sure when the ACLU picks and chooses their cases. But they decided to pick, a, I think it was just close to the office in San Francisco. Uh, they decided to step in and battle Taylor Swift now on behalf of this little blog, saying that you're trying to suppress freedom of speech and she can write whatever article, opinion piece she wants, and you're threatening legal tactics won't work, won't work to shut down pub- the freedom of publishing. Hmm. Which seems a bit much because then that says, like, you can never, like, if an if a article libels, essentially libels you, you can never tell them you're going to sue them if they don't retract it. You know, it's, it's, it is, that's another slippery slope because, yes, of course, people with money and power and, and big law firms will try to shut shit down. That's true. Yeah. Threatening them. But then also there's times when people are just calling you a white supremacist and you're like, fuck you, take, it, take that shit down or I'm going to sue your ass. And they seem to have a valid point. Uh, but the ACL has jumped on the side of this, uh, you know, this bandwagon of this little blog. Yeah, I mean, it is the more money you have, the more authority you have to silence other people, right? I, I think we need to look at that and, and that that precedent that we've set, you know? Um, like Peter Thiel. <laughs> Taking down Gawker. Yeah, because it's crazy. I mean... <laughs> through, Hulk, through Hulk Hogan's sex tape? The thing Some is, of the best stories ever. If someone sues you... You know, it's, getting sued costs a lot of money to defend oh, yeah. yourself. Yeah, and that can be leveraged as a as a 
weapon, basically. Yeah, I had a business venture once that was years ago was sued by Playboy because they were upset about some personal behavior of one of the people working at our company, and they sued for like fifty million dollars, and they listed like seventy five things and seventy three of which I had no idea what the fuck they were talking about. It was just random lawsuit shit, and they basically it's just a threat to shut you down, essentially. Mm-hmm. And you got to shut down because every no attorney is going to work on on you know spec on, on defense. So they said you're looking at two to three million dollars in legal defenses if you want to defend this, and you'll probably win, but it'll take five years and two to three million dollars. And then they know that about you, so they, that shut you, you have to shut down. Yeah. So it is you. It is used like that. I don't think Taylor Swift is going after blogs, little little micro blogs necessarily. But on the other hand, did they just sort of say shit about her that they have no pr- they have no proof of and called her a pretty nasty a pretty nasty thing? It's not like they say they hated her music or she's a bitch. They actually kind of implied she's a white. She's she's sending her song writing songs for white supremacist rallies. Yeah. she's the, she's the anthem. She's penning anthems for for neo Nazis. Essentially, is what they were implying. Yeah, I'm on Swift's side on this one because I, I don't think anyone really wants the business of the uh, white supremacist movement. Like, I think if you have the choice, you're going to wash your hands of that. And yeah. even if you're a white supremacist, you're not going to you're not going to do it. If you're actually yeah. a, a person who believes in eugenics and racial cleansing, all this stuff, but you want to make money, you're still not going to you're still you're still going to hide it much better than that. Yeah, it doesn't make any it's sense. It's a pretty idiotic uh, belief. <laughs> I got to side with with uh, Swift. Yeah, I've been sued by celebrities before for some of my articles. I had to take shit down before, and sometimes I realized, yes, I may have crossed the line and defaming people without specific evidence of a crime having been committed. You can't really. You cannot really accuse people of a crime without evidence of the crime. That's just a standard we have in this country. Yeah. There's a lot to freedom of speech and printing whatever the fuck you want to print. But you can't actually accuse... You can accuse someone of being a bitch and a whore and a horrible singer and a fucking sellout and a whatever and a whatever else you want to call her and boring as shit. But you can't call her a fucking white supremacist or a rapist or... You just can't do that without, without criminal evidence. Alleged white supremacist lady. Please, next time. <laughs> Matt, I have a question for you. Uh, I'm probably the only Jew you know, so uh, this, this is, I'm going to ask you this question that will associate with you. Uh, Larry David, uh, are you still watching SNL? I check it out from time to time. Really? Is it any, has it gotten any better, or are they just, is it just Trump jokes still? I thought it was really... I thought last year they had some really funny sketches. Uh, this last week, it, it wasn't that good. I don't know. I, I'm not like... I, I don't follow it closely. I watched your Harvey Weinstein skit, and it was a couple weeks ago, and it was so set, so poor. It was so half-hearted that I just stopped watching. I don't think I saw that Yeah, one. they really, like... They, think about it. They could have done, like, a whole show on Harvey Weinstein. Just really mocked the shit out of him. And they didn't even have a guy play Harvey Weinstein. It was just kind of sad. Uh, that's because NBC is related to... They didn't do, even do any jokes about Weinstein the first week or so, right? They did not in the first week. The second week, they got pressured to do something. They did this skit about... You know, where someone was like implying Harvey Weinstein had touched them on the set, and this, it was it was a very third degree related to Harvey Weinstein. Uh, it was more about like men in Hollywood touch groping women. Uh, Larry David uh, opened this week for the show. He's got his new Curb Your Enthusiasm out on HBO again, uh, and he did a whole bunch of Jewish, basically Jewish Jew, Jew humor. Actually, one of his funny jokes was how he really didn't like the fact that Harvey Weinstein was Jewish. <laughs> that was what bothered him the most. He's like, he's this, he's that. He's like, but he's Jewish, and that kills, that kills me. He goes, we want to hear, his, his joke was, we want to hear Einstein develops theory of relativity. Jonas Salk cures polio. Not Weinstein whipped it out. <laughs> <laughs> but then he went on to make a concentration camp joke. Which this is, is a weird monologue. I mean, I really like Larry David. 
and his stand-up is pretty funny, I think, but his like his delivery and his demeanor in that monologue was very odd. It was kind of odd. And don't forget, he's 70 years old now. Not that the age is necessarily taking him down, but he is 70. But he did this weird concentration camp <laughs> joke. I don't know where it even... He was talking about how much he loves girls, how he loves to hit on girls and pick up girls. And then he leaned into a joke about what it would have been like to grow up in, in Nazi Poland in the, in the concentration camp. And if you would have, like, found women attractive at the concentration camp and, and how to hit, how you might hit on them. He's <laughs> like, like, you like bagels? I like bagels. He goes, hey, how are the guards treating you? Like, it was just like, you know, it was like a very, like, how do you sashay up to a woman at the concentration camp and hit on her? Like, hey, when we get out of here, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll get a coffee or something. It's a weird premise. It was a weird premise. I could see the basics of the humor behind it, but it, you know, even the audience, you could hear some groans or like the SNL audience, yeah. which, by the way, is a fake, progress, a fake progressive audience. <laughs> they like things that are controversial as long as they're controversial in a certain way. Uh, but here's the thing I was thinking after he did it was because then, then Twitter exploded with how Larry David was so, you know, how you can't do concentration camp jokes and shit like that. And I thought, uh, you and I had this conversation many times. I don't think any jokes are off limits, really. Especially when they're based and they come from a humorous place. He's obviously not trying to rip on, he's obviously not trying to mock concentration camp survivors or try to make fun of Jews burning in ovens. That wasn't the point of his joke. Right. The point of his joke is that he's a horn dog. And that, you know, remember that we used to play before the show the Lenny Bruce joke about how, like, a man could be mortally wounded and on his way in the ambulance to the hospital. If the chick's leaning over him and her breasts are showing, he's going to start hitting on her. <laughs> like with his last dying breath, that's what he's going to do. Yeah. That's what I think his joke was about, was men will hit on women anywhere. But how awkward it must have been at concentration camps when people were starving to hit on a chick. Uh, can, Jew, can only Jews make this joke? Can only Jews get away with this thing? Is that sort of a rule we have when it comes to ethnically, hugely insensitive jokes about race, race or ethnicity? Well, I think people can do whatever they want, but uh, a white guy doing and not a, you know a non-Jew doing that joke would be met with so much hostility, and the dude would definitely ruin his career. I mean, you know, I think Larry David uh, is a very Jewy guy. I mean, his show is sort Super of about Jew. Jewish culture, Super American Jew. Jewish culture, or whatever. Um, so he's, won, know, he's won every single Jewish award. I'd say he has the right to uh, to do that. I don't, you know, who who else? I mean, who would who would if anyone? He could, he should be able to do that. And I don't know. It's I don't like this idea. Also, that certain people can't talk about certain things. Um, like uh, you know, if if you're not black, you can't talk about the black struggle because you've never been black. And it's like. All right. I mean, I've never been a billionaire, but I think I kind of know what it's like, you know. Well, uh, even when James Corden, Corden came out at the, at the AIDS gala with the, the, the first one to do the Weinstein jokes, and he got booed. I, I and they, the jokes were not funny. Bryce admit had a woman, had a female done the same jokes, they would have been like a standing ovation, right? There would have been this like speaking truth to power standing ovation. Yeah, but you see that at comedy clubs too. I mean, the fact is, a white guy can make fun of black people you know every not every black comedian but most black comedians do that white guy voice yes. and uh when a white guy does the black guy voice it's you know people uh get a little cringy because you know we know where that goes historically um 
Yes, even if the guy is clearly not intending to, to do blackface or mock, be racist or be whatever, you can't. There's just a tinge. There's a cultural tinge, right? You can't, especially it's in today's a tinge, culture. And, it, and it's not like, the, you know, the audience decides what works, you know. And so if, it's, if it doesn't work, then you should, it doesn't work for a reason, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, I saw Louis C.K. doing something on uh, child molesters. It was really fun. It was really funny. Yeah, uh, but the audience has to laugh. Otherwise, it gets really dark. It goes dark really fast. Yeah, and you can't just decide. Oh, it's not fair that uh, you know black guys make fun of white guys on stage all the time. So I'm going to be a white guy that makes fun of a black guy. You can't decide to do that, and therefore it's necessarily going to work because it it probably isn't done often because people have tried to do it and it doesn't work. So. You know, a, a non-Jew doing the concentration, concentration camp, camp bit is just going to work far worse than it worked <laughs> yes. for Larry David. Well, it was it didn't work for Larry David, and he got called out, but it didn't, it wasn't a scan. It didn't become a scandal. Right. It wasn't like uh, we have to boycott his show. It was which, like a very minor uproar about it. I think. Yes, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm with you on. Uh, I'm with you on Larry David. So from now on, I do the Jew jokes. <laughs> you can do the Irish uh, Alaskan uh, Irish Alaskan jokes. Uh, what about people do? What about people do uh, Eskimo jokes and they're not from Alaska? Uh-oh. Is your one sensitive Eskimo is the one sensitive word I've known about There's you? There's not many Eskimos, so I don't think they really care that much. I hate I hate that there's a cultural bias, but I think you really can't get away with that. There's a certain kind of humor you can't get away with based on your own your own gender and ethnicity, and that's just the way I think that's just the way it is, and you just have to suck that up. It's sort of like not it's not a perfect world, and that's something I think even a comedian you have to kind of suck up. Is that you can't go up on stage and do yeah. somebody else's material. Well, no one wants to hear a white guy talking shit about other groups of people, you know. Uh. No, if you're, if you're a non-minority, doing minority jokes is not going to work for you very well either way. Matt, let me ask you. Lamar Odom used to be your biggest uh, sports. I think he was on your list of favorite sports people. <laughs> um, he was a good player. Uh, he was. He was a, he was a sixth man of the year like once or twice, wasn't he? It was always, uh, by the way, six man of the year is like one of those like sort of backhanded compliments. It's, it's just it's like you're the best guy we got around who's not good enough to start. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just sort of like it's uh, Andre Iguodala got it one year. He's a really good player, but you know you're, you're not. You're like our sixth best player on the team. It's not that impressive. Kind of like most improved too. <laughs> yes. Best guy, you're the best guy off the bench. Best guy not good enough to start. That's you. Um, but he was a good player. I mean, he was. In, I remember playing playing in high school. I remember him playing at his prep school, which just seemed kind of weird, and Rhode Island for one year, whatever the fuck he did while he was getting paid off by people. Um, he was always a really talented big man, which was kind of impressive. And then something fucked up happened to him. I'm not sure what it was. It was the Kardashians or something like that. He started drinking and doing crack. If you're like a millionaire doing crack, it's just, it's, that's like there's a small subset of millionaires who would actually be crack addicts. Not like cocaine addicts, actual crack, smoke crack out of a pipe. It's yeah. not a good, I bet the death rate, mortality rate among those people is 99%. Just the pipe, you got to look at it and be like, what am I doing? Like, yes. You know, I guess I could just snort it. If you're worth $30 million or $40 million and you're in like a downtown motel with, with like Thai whores and you're smoking crack, that's when you have to wonder. Well, it's a scene in every movie when the guy goes into the bathroom and, and he catches a glimpse of himself in the mirror. Yes. And then he looks away. But it's got to be what it's like. I mean... I don't know how I've never smoked crack. I, it, it must be pretty good. People tend to like it, but it just sounds like uh, your heart feels like it's going to explode. I don't like that feeling of being all speeded up and shit. But I just think, yeah, you got to look at your life. Well, it's also just 
cheap, right? It's just, I mean, it's just chemically crap. It's just a crap. I mean, you're not like, it's not like you're smoking top of the line crack. It's not like if you're an alcoholic, you could do doers, you know, like at least have some excuse like I'm, I'm doing $100 bottle scotch. I don't like, know, Charlie like, Sheen was bragging about his crack one time. Yeah, that's a weird, it's just a weird hobby. It's a weird drug for rich people to, to be doing. The cocaine, I understand. Like, it's spending a half million bucks a year on cocaine. I know Odin was doing some other drugs, too, but also cheap whores. Why are you doing cheap whores? I feel like you could do better. Why, yeah. are, you doing an Why are you doing the age-ridden motel whores? Cocaine can be almost decadent. There, there's something maybe a little exotic or classy about it. But yes. It's yeah, like the drug of royals. You're smoking crack and meth. It's like... You know, yeah, that's for fucking trailer park <laughs> yes. people. Yes. It's just, I mean, it's like, it's Thunderbird, right? I mean, it's like, you know, you don't see a rich, drunk guy drinking, like, cheap mulled wine, fortified wine, <laughs> ordering, like, a, ordering like two buck chuck, a bottle of two buck chuck at the bar to chuck down. <laughs> I mean, if he's an alcoholic, he's still ordering good liquor, right? Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. So Lamar Odom went down again. And by going down, I mean, he passed out yet again at another public, facil- at another public facility. Uh, Bootsy Bellows, is that your hangout on Sunset? Never been. No, Never I won't been. go to. I don't, I don't trust clubs that are only there three nights a week. <laughs> this just feels very, feels very, uh, very carny. There's a very carny sense to it to me. Hmm. Like they could just pack up and be gone. Like, yeah, I left my jacket there. Yeah, we're not back for five more days. <laughs> There's three other bars in here at the same space. So. It seems like a very non-committed non- uh, uh, relationship. I try and stay out of any place, too, where there's a guy at the door whose job is to act like a prick. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, you've had bad experiences with that. You're not, a short, you're not short-listed on those places. No, even when, even when you're good, they still got to, like, look you up and down. It's like, why am I subjecting myself to this? You know who gets in really easily? Dicks. Yeah, and Lamar Odom. <laughs> a guy, a known, a known, a known crack, a known crack addict who's passed out in many other places before. You better let Odom in there. He's going to be ordering a lot of Alize and Cristine. Plus, I bet you he can drink several oh, yeah. bottles of champagne just by the size of. Yeah, them. but then the downside is he passes out, and TMZ has videos of him passed out in your bar and being taken out, carried out by guys unconscious. What kind of lunatic? I'm not saying I'm a saint. But if Lamar Odom calls me up and it's like, do you want to go slam some drinks? I got to be like, no, man, I, yes. I want no part of it. You were dead a year ago. <laughs> you were clinically dead. Can we get you some help, buddy? I mean, he literally was, that was two years ago. He was slurring his speech. He couldn't write. They weren't sure he was going to wake up. When he did, he seemed brain, mostly brain dead. I think everyone thought he was going to be brain dead. He actually made a miraculous recovery. In a sense, his life would be an awesome movie if not for him still passing out drunk in shitty Hollywood bars. Yeah, most guys being wheeled out of Nevada whorehouses and with a helicopter spinning nearby, unconscious, don't live with froth in their mouth. They don't live. They don't. They don't live to tell the story. He's actually walking around again. There was that time when they brought him out to like Kanye shows and spotlight him when he couldn't walk and they had to assist him. But he seems to be walking on his own now. He can talk. I mean, I feel like he's got a little something going on, but he's, by and large, a pretty normal dude physically, right? Uh, well, no, I don't think so. I, I mean, mean, he's he's been he's, comatose before. He's got, I'm sure his liver must be shot to fuck. I'm sure there's other vital organs that have sh- that took a, a massive amount of abuse during his, during his various crack experiences. I mean, you don't see an old crack guy. There's no old senior. First of all, there's no old. There's no old NBA guys. There's no t- old tall guys. No, tall guys don't live that long. And certainly, old tall crack addicts. You just don't see. You just don't see around. Look at the homeless. Sometime well, they're all five. Se- they're all five seven and under. I mean, Odom's got to be a situation where, if you're working at a bar, and a pregnant woman comes in, 
and orders a Jameson on the rocks, you don't have to give her that, right? No. I think it's illegal to actually do that. Actually, it's probably illegal not to serve her in this day and age for sexism, <laughs> for misogyny reasons. Right. But yeah, you, can, you have the right, to, the bar has a right to refuse service to people they believe would be injured or harmed. Okay, let's stop serving Lamar Odom. In fact, you're not, even allowed, you're not even allowed to serve people that are dr- intoxicated. Yeah, I never understood that rule. <laughs> <laughs> I was at a bar once. This is, how, this is how the LAPD wastes their time. I was at a bar once. I'm not sure I've told you a story. A Mexican, uh, like Acapulco restaurant, one of those Mexican restaurants where people just go to drink. Mm-hmm. You have to get chips, but they just go to drink. And uh, with some, with some like five or six buddies in the afternoon, like a happy hour, everybody when he got there was completely sober. I don't think we had more than one drink. And all of a sudden, this place was usually empty. It looked pretty full. And all these couples, there are all these couples there, like at different bar tables, like chatting There's away. There's always a guy with a Russian hooker. Yeah, well, but it was odd. But this is like, it was usually empty, and it was like kind of full, but with couples. And it's not a couple. Couples don't go to fucking Mexican happy hours. It's just not the place they go to get cheap tequila. And then all of a sudden, like, a friend of mine walks in. He has maybe half a beer. And they, everyone at these tables, these happy couples, raise their badges in the air. And they're, co- they're all undercover cops. It was one of those things where you, like, you knew something was wrong because they're like having these loud like normal boyfriend-girlfriend conversations <laughs> and like five couples. And like there's ten cops in this little cheap-ass Mexican restaurant and they're busting the... Like uh, undercover. Yeah, undercover. Like 20, like millennial, like 20-somethings. And, but totally out of place. But like they weren't so out of place. You go like, wow, and you wouldn't expect... A raid. It wasn't like we were at a cocaine clinic or whatever. It was just at a bar. Something was a little off, though. Yeah. There's a chatter was like, oh, really? And Diana said that? Oh, did you tell her that I think she's a bitch or whatever? Like, trying to blend. (laughs) Trying to blend. I bet you they were drinking actual booze, too. Probably. That we were paying for our taxes. And my friend, a friend of mine walks in. He had been, like, five years earlier in a car crash. And he had a, a bloodshot, like, a permanently bloodshot eye from the car crash. And, uh, like, just never went away. And he had had maybe half a beer, and they grab him and arrest him as an example of the bar serving liquor to intoxicated people. So they arrest the intoxicated guy? <laughs> yes. Well, they arrested him as a witness to the, to the crime, brought him downtown to the police station, had, was there for, like, eight hours, like, wanted him to provide witness testimony that they were serving him while he was intoxicated. And he so had, in theory, he was the victim, yes. and his compensation was his his day is completely ruined. Not to mention that they had ten undercover cops in a Mexican bar that holds eighteen people, and they arrested the guy who wasn't even drunk but had a had a blood vessel rupture in his eyes. So they didn't even bother to see who was drunk and was drinking. They just grabbed the guy who looked the most drunk for the photo, so that it would look so it would like, oh, you're serving this guy. Look at his eyes; he's bloodshot. And they're giving him they're giving him liquor. That's incredibly <laughs> pathetic. Whoever's yes. in charge of that, and it's not surprising that they completely fucked up what they were supposed to be doing either. No, but I just, I think about that when I think about these stories like Lamar, whereas nobody's going to these nightclubs giving a shit about Lamar Adam killing himself. <laughs> like, or a pregnant woman, like you said, drinking or anything like that. They're just picking low-hanging fruit like a Mexican restaurant in the afternoon because <laughs> getting to the nightclubs, the owner's, I'm sure, a very influential, high, rich guy who probably donates money to the city council yeah. and all sorts of shit. Well, you don't like, see a lot of speed traps in your neighborhood up in the hills either, <laughs> no, do you? No, I haven't seen a cop in 10 years. <laughs> uh, is there anything left? The question Randy wanted to know, is there any reason to care about Lamar at this point falling down? He's going to die soon. Should anyone even care anymore? I think it's kind of sad. I don't want him to die, but... I don't know. I'm assuming people have reached out and been like, you know, let's get you some help. But I don't know what help entails. It, I think you know that you're not supposed to be smoking crack and drinking. 
So if you don't feel like stopping, well, you can lock the guy. You could lock. I guess you can't really lock him up, but you could like they had. Didn't you see the Kardashians had an intervention for him? But he was, wasn't there. He wasn't, he wasn't there. But they had like a two-part intervention. Did they televise it? <laughs> for him. And by the way, his ex-wife is now fucking and get, having a baby with the, the other basketball player, Tristan Thompson. How long until Tristan Thompson is at the fucking bar passed out on crack? It's just like a cycle, right? He's got like three or four years for it. He's the next Odom. He's, everyone, all his buddies have to be thinking like, dude, you don't understand. You're the next Odom? Like, right. really? You're not seeing this? Like... Like all his all his buddies who know uh, the smarter friends of his must be thinking like Odom passed out in Bootsy Bellows. That's you, dude. Like in five years. Yeah, I mean his career is already on the downswing. So he's got cash. He's at least he's at least got. She would not have uh, had his baby unless he had a lot of cash. So I think he's I think he's safe there. All right, Randy. That's sort of an answer to your question. Matt, I want to wind up today with my panties in a bunch segment. Uh, this is the scariest part to me of the Weinstein scandal. I'm not a woman, so I can't properly relate to a guy whipping his dick out and trying to masturbate uh, on the wall next to me. Uh, actually, you probably can relate to that, but I can't, I can't personally. Uh, I think you relate to that, but not in a sca- not in I was scared kind of way. More in like, that was a fun Saturday evening kind of way. <laughs> at least, if you, I'm, not, I'm sure in where you live, you must see some, some shit like that at times. Uh, yeah, I've had uh, in the bathroom... I had a guy check out my junk at the improv, uh, and three separate times when I've just been sitting in my car, apparently it's a thing around my neighborhood, and especially down Westmore, um, where uh, if you're sitting in a car, that means you want another dude to get in your car and suck your cock. Um, And sometimes you forget to lock your car door if you're maybe (laughs) waiting for your date to come out. Is that your excuse? And (laughs) the dudes get in your car. Yeah. Um, You sound like a lot. This sounds like a lot of the Eddie Murphy excuse. (laughs) Well, no, I think it's kind of a problem. I was walking with two of my friends and a cop stopped us and said, where are you going? And I said, well, we're walking from his house to another place. And they're like, sorry, it's just guys blow each other on the lawns all the time. <laughs> yes. So you find, uh, the con- you find the condoms on the lawns? Yeah, it must, yeah. must be a big problem. Yeah, I would think so. Well, bigger problem if they're not using condoms, theoretically speaking, in terms of the, uh, you know, the disease factor. But yeah, all around. Yeah. I, I, think, I feel like if you can't throw away, you use condoms. You really don't. You're not a member of the human society. I appreciate you using condoms. <laughs> but you got to at least be able I mean, who doesn't throw away their used condoms? Come on. That's just gross. That's just animal. That's animal. Behavior. There's this guy that had a. He lived on the Penn State campus with his wife and children. I think he's a professor. And he goes, "Oh, I found another condom." No, no, no. Yeah, no. He fi- he'd find a tampon. Uh-huh. And he goes, "Well, you know what that means. There's a condom around here somewhere. I got to go find." And uh, for some reason, that just made me really sad. Yeah, and the kids were in the house, and he was out on the lawn with his little little uh, garbage picker thing, <laughs> like picking up picking up all the expended stuff. Yeah, and uh, that is just thanks. That's a disgusting story. Uh, <laughs> but here's the scariest part of the Weinstein scandal to me: uh, not the sexual objectification, the harassment, the rape is really bad, obviously. Uh, but the fact that what we're learning over time is nothing new. I think we all knew that most of the men in Hollywood were pigs. What we are learning is that media outlets, especially news media outlets have just covered up shit for each other forever, forever and ever. Like, if you're, once you're in, it's like, a, it's basically a fraternity. Once you're in the fraternity, or the cops covering for each other, you're in, and media outlets, especially when you're an important guy in, in entertainment, will cover for your ass forever and ever. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's scary. It is scary intertwined how many people cover for Weinstein and these other guys. Uh, not just the, I'm not just talking about the low, the grips, the key grips, and the electricians who knew about this shit and are really powerless in, the, in this world, essentially, in this industry. But really powerful presidents, vice presidents, executives, news editors at major magazines and newspapers, me, other media, TV media outlets just co- knew all about this shit and just covered it up because of their connected business activities. Yeah, the president of NBC News, uh, is it Lisa Bloom, is that her name? Yeah, Lisa Bloom, the attorney. Uh-huh. I mean, she was covering for Weinstein because she wanted a, a TV show that he was producing. Yeah. Uh, connected to. And, and there's other stuff like with the New York Times, right? Yeah, they killed a story in 2004 uh, that was basically going to tell about uh, Weinstein's a guy in Italy who was just hooking him up with whores in Italy when he went over there for, for film stuff. It, well, it wasn't just he had a guy who hooked him up with whores. He had a guy listed as a vice president of the company pulling in like 300 grand a year on salary whose sole job it was was to hook him up with chicks so it looks like the media kind of decides to look the other way when the story is how the media was covering up for harvey weinstein well that's the secondary part the first part is that they actually did cover up for him because of i mean i assume most of them i assume most of them that weren't pigs and weren't harassers themselves we're just covering up for him because he was offering them something either personally, financially, or they had business deals with his company, or they just were scared of his retaliation. I don't know. These are guys who, like, I feel like morally safer when interviewed, like, Ayatollah Khomeini. Like, like yeah. I feel like news people used to, like, break stories, and if they, like, if they got killed in action, that was, like, their greatest martyrdom a journalist could ever have. And now it's like, oh, yeah, I got a, I got a development deal with Harvey Weinstein. I can't release the fact that he's raping women. Like, it's just... I don't know what's happened. There are like no... I mean, I guess you give Ronan Farrow some credit. He's the most feminine-looking man I've ever seen in my life. But I guess he at least went out on a limb and started reporting on this shit. Um, well, he's been kind of a victim uh, before, too, so maybe it's personal for him. But he was at NBC trying to get this shit done when NBC was actively trying to cover up wine scene. I mean, that's the scary, the scary part to me. I know you love conspiracies, especially uh, corporate media conspiracies. So Disney's buying, trying to buy Fox now, century, uh, 21st Century Fox. That deal almost went through. Mm-hmm. We have, obviously, a conglomeration. It's funny, even this digital age when everyone's going to be on the Internet and open information and open space, that we've now gone back to like three or four oligopolies, companies that own everything. Yeah, It's not just Facebook and Google owning the digital space, but now these media companies own all the newspapers and all the news, media news outlets. And they really are. I mean, I hate to, hate to buy into your conspiracy theories, they generally believe you're wrong about these things. <laughs> but they are really now, and it's not even like about, the, this is not even, let's not call this a big thing like war or global <laughs> global domination, but it is about rape and sexual harassment and, and, and chicks being, you know, sexually objectified by these guys and their fucking fat guys in their hotel rooms and shit like that. Stuff people should probably know about. And they're just covering, they clearly, clearly covered it up. Yes, they did. Yes. And there's no one left to call them out because they <laughs> own everything. Right. There's no story about, I mean, there was like a few people that hate like NBC, like Fox, have gone out with stories about how NBC covered it up, but no one else picked that story up. Right. There's not in the mainstream. HuffPo is never, Huff never going to carry us a story about NBC covering shit up. NBC is never going to carry a story about Disney. Even though that's oh. right up their alley, if not for the conflict of interest. Yeah. No, it's entirely conflict of interest. And even like CNN, I mean, they're owned by, they're owned by Time Warner. There's like every single outlet is owned by a $100 billion company. That's run by three or four guys. There's like ten guys in control of the news, basically, yeah. at this point. 
And it's like it's no different than it was 40 years ago when we had three channels. Now we have eight, 80 million channels, but they're still on by three or four people. Yeah. They're giving directions. Is that sad, Matt? Are we doomed? Yeah, it is sad. Are we doomed as a society? Uh, not too many following, you know, what the, what the FCC and, uh, you know. Matt, I'm going to ask you my final question that I had for a pretty girl who's supposed to be here today. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always surprised when women walk in to meet us at this, at this podcast. I'm really, like, really surprised. I'm not surprised I go to meet Harvey Weinstein on the third floor of the Peninsula Hotel to give him a bath, a sponge bath, because there's an obvious upside for them for doing that. I am really almost kind of surprised when women, sh- when women show up here. Are you surprised when they don't show up? Uh... No, I'm surprised when they do show up. Oh, okay. So I'm not surprised when they don't show up. Oh, I see. If I was a pretty girl and someone said meet these scroungy guys in a bar, they'll be have, they'll have microphones with them. I probably wouldn't go. <laughs> I just would. I'd at least bring my mom or some at least for my mom or somebody or my friend who's a cop. Right. Just some, somebody along. Uh, so we're supposed to be meeting with Miss California today, Miss Cal, but not any Miss California, Matt. Miss Southern California, America, Terry McDonald. Okay. So I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, Miss Southern California America pageant. <laughs> I think uh, it's I think it's at the Radisson. <laughs> I think it's hosted at the at the Marie Cal- It's at the host at the Marie Calendar or the Denny's on Sunset. I believe it's at. And uh, Terry was supposed to join us today to provide insight about beauty pageants uh, and how they uh, the role they play in modern feminist society. But since uh, she's not here, Matt, I'm going to ask you to take on the role of the beauty queen. And for a moment, <laughs> just for a quick moment. Because uh, you're 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 six two and you're blonde, uh, take on the role of the beauty queen, uh, Matt. How are beauty pageants consistent with the feminist message of today? How is strutting around in a strutting around in a bathing suit and an evening gown and being based on your looks and minimal minimal talent? Uh, how does that jibe with being a modern woman in, in asking for equality in a world of feminism? I thought they stopped doing the bathing suits, or no, they still do that? Well, a lot. I don't know what the Miss Southern California America pageant does. I'm not familiar with them. There's no wiki page. But uh, a lot of the girl, the team USA has gone to uh, athletic wear. So is it Miss Southern California or Miss America? I'm, it's I'm Miss, Southern Cal- Miss Southern California America. So you got to live in Southern California. Uh, to yes. Be, well, oh. you figure, I, I don't think it's hard to find girls in Southern California. I think if it's Miss North Dakota America, you're going to have more trouble because all the hot girls in North Dakota are, are in Southern California. Pageants but, are... So they did, so they did uh, by the way, the answer to the question is they've moved to spandex wear. Okay. Away from the bathing suits into spandex wear to highlight the fact that modern women are different than women used to be. Now they're, women, are, now they're women in sports bras. They're super weird. It's like, it's like you're auditioning an animal for a show at the zoo or something. You know, they, they march you up and they're judging your posture... And they ask you some questions, make sure you're not a total retard. Then you got to do a skill, uh, which is usually singing or a baton. Or my fa- what's my favorite? Uh, Ventriloquism. Oh, right. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, some of them are pretty good. I'm at not that. sure why hot girls get into, the, get into that. <laughs> That's the nerdiest thing I can think of. I, magic, yeah, tricks, I love it. magic tricks and ventriloquism. But it's, uh, I don't know, it seems kind of degrading. It's. <laughs> It's kind of strange that it still exists, don't you think? It's, it, it, is, it obviously started out as a way to show, like, who, here are women who are beca- trained to become the perfect wife. Right. 
like they're pretty, they wear dresses, they walk in heels, they can say nice things about charity. It was basically designed for like mid-last century women to be perfect wives. Right. A showcase for that. Young, unmarried women who, and look how delicate they're going to be as, as perfect wives. It seems to me it's exactly the same thing now. It's just they use the word empowerment in all their websites and all their speeches. And they have like aerobics, aerobics instructors and yoga instructors as judges instead of like you know, cotillion etiquette instructors or whatever. But it is essentially the same thing. And they use the word empowerment. You'll see the word empowerment 25 times on any website about this stuff. Or the girls and their answers will always talk about empowerment. But what are they showcasing that they can, what are they showcasing they can do? That they're, in, that they're in shape. I guess that's empowering to be in shape, to be in physical, good physical shape. That they can do a, make a dummy talk with their voice and their lips not moving. Maybe they should update it for the more modern American woman like, uh, Here's how you fire off a bunch of angry tweets. Yes. Uh, how many can you get done <laughs> in five storm. minutes? Here's how you don't cook and refuse to. Um, here's how you. Here's how you. Here's how you milk a good dinner before sex. Yeah. Here's. Uh, if a producer calls you to his hotel room, here's how you scrub him without really getting too dirty. Yeah. Here's how you pretend you left your credit card in the car <laughs> when the check comes. Yes. Um, that's a, I think I see what I think I see your point. I think you destroyed the beauty pageant world, but it, it really is. It really is impossible to. This is one of those things. It was one of those like outs that women have where they just want to keep doing shit they've always been doing because they still want to look. Pretty. We talked about the girls last week about beauty and makeup and dr- dressing and wearing short skirts at the office. They still want to do all that shit because it's to their benefit in in the society we have set up. But they also now just want to reframe it as empowering mm-hmm. versus enticing. Whereas if you look at the men's example, which is like Dustin Hoffman making clitoris jokes on set or just talking dirty to girls and, you know, on, production, on production sets, which is something that guys always want to do, that can't be reframed. You can't reframe dick jokes as something empower, empowering and positive. No, I think the best possible... Maybe that's why I really like those um, lumberjack competitions. Oh, I love those. Hey, that's almost like a guy pageant. They're doing actual work. Yes. Um, do you do you like I just believe they're all gay? <laughs> they go back and have just there's a big gay orgy in the in the yard in the barn afterwards. I mean, I would certainly not be surprised. I don't even know how one gets into the business of competitive lumberjacking. <laughs> it just seems they seem a little too bur- a little little too bare burly. <laughs> That's got to be like the greatest sport for gay guys to watch too. The lumberjacking guys. Yeah, I'm sure because actual guys that work in the lumberyard. You know, they're not wearing. Uh, <laughs> they don't. Like the, they don't like the brawny. They don't look like the brawny guy. They're just not that put together. <laughs> no, you know, they're kind of fat drunk, fat drunk, fat <laughs> trunks. Those are those guys are smoking crack. I think this is one of the beauty pageants and like fashion in particular, and beauty and fashion and style. It's one of those things. Like all these ma- magazines are for modern girls now. They're trying to re- reframe themselves as empowering and modern and progressive, whereas they're selling really the same old thing, which is. You want to look pretty because guys will give you, you'll advance farther in this world, right? Which is true, by the way. But they're trying to like, now, because they don't want to get rid of that, because a, a girl, these girls aren't going to start like not wearing makeup. They're just not going to do that because they know ultimately it hurts them. But now they're trying to reframe like makeup as empowering. Guys don't get to take our shit and like reframe it as modernly empower our sort of classically male behavior as empowering like fucking beer bongs there's no way watching football for eight hours a day on Sunday will ever become like empowering for men 
they've set up the logic to where everything that they do is either empowering or humiliating yes. and that they're a victim of uh, and everything they don't do, same exact thing. So pretty much you can pick and choose um, and you're either a hero or a victim on any given day. It's a nice, it's a very nice, uh, it's a very nice setup, I have to say. Brian, you have something, uh, Brian, you were in beauty patches as a child, right? Um, unisex, did you compete in the unisex uh, pageants? I'll come clean, yes, yes, I did. Have you ever worn heels, Brian? Uh, no. Mm. I mean, cowboy boots sort of have a little lift in the back, but... <laughs> it's okay. Want something you wish to pimp and promote, Brian? Uh, I'm playing on Saturday at uh, Lady Siam. I'm playing bass and trumpet backing up Jen Awad. Um, I did not know you play uh, trumpet. I play a, a bunch of things. Are you a brass man? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so, Started off on, on trumpet and got braces on and uh, messed up my high range, so I switched to trombone and tuba Wow, and stuff. It's a real Louis Armstrong story. There you go. Matt, something you wish, you wish to sell? Uh, MattRalston.net. Yeah, your new story's up. Yeah. What is it? Oh, about Hillary and Trump getting married. Yeah, I didn't get it, I have to say. I think it went above my... It was like a, a Wes Anderson film. It went above my head. I'm not sure it made any sense. <laughs> it was like... I know it'll be critically acclaimed, but I'll watch it. That's how I feel about every Wes Anderson film. I'll watch it and just not get it. Right. And then feel stupid like everyone else got it but me. Yeah, there's that. Matthew Ralston, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Any appearances at the clubs where you get your package checked out? Uh, no, nothing at the moment. Oh, yeah, and a big shout-out to Rocco's, whose pizza we're all gorging on right now. Rocco's, the best pizza in Studio City. The best drinks, the best people. Thank you, Rocco. Hi, you catch me on the blaze on Friday mornings. I'm sorry we didn't have the hot chick today. That was somewhat, somewhat disappointing. Uh, it's Lex, last man on earth. Talk to you next week.